the extrinsic benefits of high salary are not always there, but the intrinsic benefits of really making a difference in the communities you serve is very appealing to millennials. Mm. So we were able to hire a team of really dedicated, excited young people, including a few of our alumni. Welcome to My Company Story. It's a show by business owners about business owners. I'm your host, Don Burge. In each episode, we'll explore the challenges business owners face and how they've overcome them. So I'm here today with Amy Gratt, and she is the CEO of EXP, a nonprofit in the Long Beach Carson area. Welcome, Amy. Thank you for having me, Don. Amy, can you tell us a little bit what EXP is? EXP is the root of all that we as an organization provide to students and schools that we work with. We provide experiences. EXP, experience. That will help a student explore opportunities and expand their horizons. Fantastic. We're the opportunity engine. So who do you serve? What does EXP's mission, and your nonprofit, what's your mission? Our mission is to prepare students for better lives. And we do this by bringing industry and education together Mm -hmm. to help students open doors, and create the skills and confidence that will help them in school, career, and beyond. And are these students uh, high school students then, or technical students, and geographically, where do you serve? So these are high school students now, Mm -hmm. but we just actually completed our very first teacher externship last week to serve elementary students. Oh, fantastic. Wow, to get them involved very early then. But we started at the high schools about 20 years ago. We're celebrating our 20th anniversary this year. Congratulations. And we started at Phineas Banning High School in Wilmington in the port of L.A. Today we work with, well, I would say a week ago that we work with nine high schools, but we just signed a contract with Compton Unified, and we're going to be working with Dominguez High School in Compton, and soon at Lawndale and Losinger High School in the South Bay. That's fantastic. Good. Congratulations, Amy. Thank you. How, uh, how, on the other side then, what are you doing for industry and how is that part connected? So our mission is to help prepare students for school, career, and life. But the reality is industry benefits. Um, we engage industry in the early development of their workforce. So the companies and organizations that partner with us get a chance to invest in their future workforce, their future clients. We help industry really um, become more successful and grow because we're helping prepare students take those jobs and grow those industries. So are the industries only around the port of LA and Long Beach or are they other, I know that was, that's the majority or that was the founding of it. Is that, tell me a little bit about how that's gone or that growth. So we started off in the Port of L.A. as a, a desire, an impulse, a necessity of the maritime industry. Up until last year, we were actually called International Trade Education Programs, Inc., or ITEP, and that's exactly what we did. We helped create programs at the high school level that would expose students to high-wage, high-growth careers in the international trade industry, specifically maritime. But today, we've broadened and support high-wage, high-growth careers across any industry, Hmm. Uh, STEM, healthcare, uh, 
just to name a few. Now, where are the where are the? I know that's a very tight labor pool right now, and my clients, the people I work with and talk to, they have a hard time finding good employees. Is that the case with the Port of LA and some of these larger institutions? And you're supplying, you're helping them with that with those kids who are looking for a job. Is that the connection? It is um, maritime industry and more broadly transportation logistics goods movement industries as well even in the ports you have the refineries and the trucking industries these are all uh, industries that are affected by the great tsunami Hmm. and their workforce is aging as well technology has completely upended the jobs that are today and the students and the workers of tomorrow really need to have a new set of skills. Mm-hmm. We're helping those students currently in high school to become interested, exposed to STEM and technology so that they can take on those jobs that will be created in the next 5, 10, 20 years. That's fantastic, Amy. Can you give our listening audience an example of a student or some statistics that, that where you've helped kids or someone that you've helped, you know, a story about along those lines? Oh, absolutely. Um, so looking at, uh, so I talked a little bit about logistics and trucking. Um, back in 2007, one of our students, his name is Francisco Franco, graduated from the International Trade Academy at Phineas Banning High School in Wilmington. International Trade Academy was the academy that we helped the school found back in 1999. And this young man learned in that uh, high school program a little bit about how to start a business, how to be entrepreneurial, learning about the international trade field. He had an internship that we provided for him at the Port of Los Angeles. He came from Wilmington. He was the son of a mechanic uh, for trucks, but his dream was to start his own trucking company. Wow. And using the skills he learned in the International Trade Academy, using the network that he developed through our organization, when he graduated, he chose to put his investment of time and resources, as well as a little bit of a loan or two from friends and family, into a truck. Fantastic. Today, that was, he graduated in 2007. Seven. 2019, Uh, he has a trucking company, Franco Trucking. He has 15 employees. Wow. They dispatch over 120 trucks across ports of LA, ports of Long Beach, and they recently expanded into Oakland. Wow. But what makes me love Franco Trucking is that Francisco Franco not only remembers where he built his skills, he puts his time and money where his uh, his love is. Yeah. He takes our interns each summer. Mm-hmm. He supports us by volunteering every time we have uh, an opportunity to speak about mm-hmm. careers. And he also has hired some of our interns into his trucking company. What a fantastic story. I need to get him on this radio show and, and interview Franco, I think. He's a CEO. Oh, and boy. <laughs> he, could, he could talk to you about all it takes to be a successful CEO. He has grown his business tremendously. I'd love to talk to him. That's a great story, Amy. Amy, how did you get involved in this? Tell me about your personal story. Sure. Um, Well, in the world of nonprofits, uh, the most common way to 
become an employee is to volunteer. Mm -hmm. And in the case of this CEO, I started off as a volunteer. <laughs> I met the founder of then ITEP. Her name is Carol Rowan. Uh, back in 2001, when I was working for the L.A. County Economic Development Corporation, mm -hmm. and Carol, uh, a former harbor commissioner at the Port of L.A., she sat on the board of the LAEDC, and she was a force of nature, an amazing woman, very passionate businesswoman. And I went up to her one day and just said, so tell me a little bit about yourself. What, you know, what is it that you do? Mm -hmm. And she said, I have this little nonprofit that uh, I've been working on. Would you be willing to help me? And I said, sure, what can I do? Well, she was looking for fundraising. She had a small annual scholarship dinner that was held at the school on paper plates. Mm. And they raised, um, you know, maybe $50,000, just some tiny little amount. And she was looking for somebody to help her dial for dollars and okay. bring in sponsors. Well, I did that back in 2002, 2003, and then came 2007, and she was looking for somebody to join her board. She invited me to join the board. And in 2010, when she retired, I had the opportunity to take over her legacy as CEO. Fantastic. So you've been doing that for nine years then now. It's been, yeah, my ninth anniversary Your was ninth? August 1st. <laughs> Congratulations on that, Thank too. Thank you. So tell me how the uh, nonprofit, how EXP has grown uh, before you were there and now in the last nine years. What's that journey look like? Oh, my goodness. Um, well, when I came in in 2010, we were five people and had an operating budget of about $500,000. dollars mm -hmm. We were in the red, about one hundred and seventy-five thousand. Uh, our, our fiscal year ends. That's a June, true nonprofit, isn't oh, it? Oh, truly a nonprofit. Uh, our fiscal year ends June thirtieth, and I came in August first and had the pleasure of signing our tax forms with a one hundred and seventy-five thousand dollar deficit, mm. which hurt. Um, and I guess perhaps it motivated me to really uh, uh, take a look and see. You know, really, what were the assets, what were the services, what were the opportunities of this organization? Mm -hmm. Today, our operating budget is $2.3 million. Wow, great. We have uh, 19 employees, wow. and I'm looking to actually add an additional one. Good. Um, so let's just say an even 20. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's been a nine-year journey. Fantastic. Where do you see the future going? What's going to be happening in the next nine years, Amy? In the next nine years. Well... Uh, for the near term, I want to see us grow vertically. What does uh, that mean? To grow vertically, as I mentioned, we are doing some work with Barton Hill Elementary School. Mm -hmm. And we found from our donors, our partners, as well as our alumni, we've been graduating and staying in touch with our alums since 2002. Uh, there is a need at the college level and at the young adult level oh. for ongoing support as well getting before the high school experience starts middle school and even elementary school there is a need for career education mm -hmm. to help students understand and connect the dots between what they're learning in the classroom and how they might use it in the real world so a vertical growth would see us perhaps expand to the feeder middle schools in the nine, now 12 high schools that we work with, mm -hmm. and also 
work with the community colleges and the four-year institutions. Fantastic. Amy, tell, tell us a little bit about uh, the challenges that you've seen in the last nine years being CEO and running a nonprofit and how you've overcome some of those challenges. So in the nonprofit world, it's, it's always a challenge for funding, you know, fundraising and, and raising the revenues. Um, and when I started off in the red, uh, I needed to really take stock of what were what was it that we provided in terms of a service, and I will say in the first three years as CEO, uh, I was hired to go out and and grab the money, mm-hmm. you know, go out and <clears throat> dial for dollars, raise money. raise money, you know, that's what you're supposed to do. But but I told my board that I really needed to better understand what it was that we delivered. Mm-hmm. And, and create a value proposition mm-hmm. for those services. Um, what we provide as a nonprofit entity from the perspective of a school is we really bring to life their career education and, and help raise graduation rates, help to help have the students graduate job ready and college prepared. And we needed to develop some metrics and mm-hmm. outcomes. Mm-hmm. We hadn't had any of that. So identifying the fact that our internship program graduates students at a 97% wow. graduation rate. As opposed, what, what does that compare to the normal graduation rates of those high schools? Um, well, across different high schools, it's different. Uh, across LAUSD, I believe the... Graduation rate was 78% mm-hmm. across all of LAUSD. Some of the schools we work with, the graduation rate is about that, mm-hmm. or maybe a little higher or a little lower. 97% that's really moves phenomenal. Yeah, that's great. Um, at the same time, we also needed to track where students were going mm. because uh, our supporters in the first years, they were industry partners in the maritime industry. They wanted to know how many students went into port-related careers or maritime careers. Mm-hmm. And we started tracking our alumni. And I can say now that we are the top feeder of graduates to go to the California Maritime Academy oh, up that's in fantastic. Vallejo. fantastic. Great. And, you know, it's a proxy. I, I don't know where all of, you know, every student over the tens of thousands of students that have been through our program where they go. But we have a really rising and visible group of young maritime leaders Mm -hmm. in the Port of L.A. and the Port of Long Beach Mm -hmm. who are ITEP, now EXP alumni. Mm -hmm. And many of them went to Cal Maritime or to Cal State Long Beach Mm -hmm. in the uh, logistics and business programs. Fantastic. So the challenge you had was was to really come up with that mission and come up with a way of tracking and the weighing of seeing whether you were making any impact or not. And you've done that. We also needed to grow our team. Mm. Tell us and about that. Growing the team, uh, we started off... From 5 to 20? 5 to 20. Um, and, you know, when we started off, we were a CEO, a COO, one administrative assistant, and a couple of consultants. And half million dollars in revenue and losing money. And losing money. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I needed to do was to bring in a team of program managers to deliver the program mm. that could be consistent across at this point we were just in four schools but we needed to have 
our programming to be consistent across all four. Uh, I couldn't work with just a consultant. Now, that cost money to do that, though, and you didn't have money. You were losing money. So how did you, did you have to go to your board and say, guys, we need to do this? Or tell us about that struggle. Um, we, we needed to shut down a program that we had started in Oakland. Uh, one of the first things I, I did when I came in that first six months is I said, we're not we just can't. Mm-hmm. We can't be working at a distance. Mm-hmm. We were sending somebody up every month to McClymond High School in, in Oakland. And our funding had run out for that. That was one of the biggest drains. So mm. I had to shut something down. So you cut some costs and realign the, the focus of the, uh, of the organization. I also um, hired young and eager mm-hmm. Uh, and that translates to a little bit less expensive. Mm-hmm. But they had to grow with us. Mm. And um, that was a great opportunity because in the nonprofit world, the extrinsic benefits of high salary are not always there. But the intrinsic benefits of really making a difference in the communities you serve is very appealing to millennials. Mm. So we were able to hire a team of really dedicated excited young people, including a few of our alumni. Great. That's fantastic. So you have an organization with people who are in their 20s and at, at one time people who were in their 70s working there. I mean, how did you, how did you manage a workforce with, with such a diverse uh, generational gap? That's right, Don. It was 50 years in yeah. between, and I was right smack dab in the middle. Um, Well, first of all, to manage a multi-generational workforce uh, requires to really just be honest that it is a multi-generational workforce. We we had to look at ourselves and say, some people are motivated in different ways. Mm. Uh, We had a, I guess you would say, the greatest generation, uh, this case, my COO and a co-founder, very much dedicated, workaholic, in every weekend, 24-7. And we also had younger folks in their 20s and 30s who are absolutely dedicated as well, but wanted a more flexible workplace, wanted to be able to have balance. Mm -hmm. And we just needed to have some very conscious conversations. So tell us about that. How did you bridge that gap? What did you do so that those those teams worked well and played well in the play yard together? Well, we... um, we tried to do it on our own, mm-hmm. uh, and that uh, worked to a certain degree, but eventually we really did need to bring in an external facilitator. Mm. Uh, we worked with a phenomenal organizational consultant named Carol Marzuk. Mm. Carol. Of, yes, the Carol. Mm-hmm. Uh, leadership and Soul. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was able to come in and work first with my management team. One of the things that I also had to do over this nine years of growth is to build a management team out of young people who had never managed people, uh, had just managed projects. Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't have the resources to hire somebody who had lots of experience, so we needed to home grow it. Mm -hmm. And part of bringing that management team kind of up to a level where they could operate as my first team 
was to give them some training. We did uh, a couple of offsites, and we had some phenomenal uh, disc training mm. to help us understand different communication style. Uh, for about a year, I had up in my office the map of all of our employees with their disc oh, right. analysis, right. and I, I, I saw the uh, the the we had all four corners <laughs> covered, um, and a lot of outliers, including me. Yeah. Who needed to understand, um, you know, I'm a high I, mm-hmm. and I needed to understand those C's and those S's and the D's um, and vice versa. And you understand them now. And well, do, you, do you feel that that had an impact on, on those employees, that they get a, got a better sense of understanding their co-workers because of that? They did. Um, you know, understanding uh, differences is the first step towards appreciating, valuing, and then finally leveraging differences. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the step. Mm-hmm. Those are the steps that we needed to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, an I will still think a, a D is, is moving too fast and, and a C is, is, you know, in analysis paralysis. But at least we have the common language mm-hmm. um, and we can speak to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have posted in our uh, conference room the uh, the different uh, communication styles, and we joke every once in a while about, you know, what do the I think? What does the I think? Or, or what do the S's think? It's and, helpful. And what did that do to your company culture? It, it moved it forward. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that happened over our nine year, the nine years that I've been here, is we did grow, mm-hmm. and we grew very rapidly from the uh, years of 2014 to 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with that growth, um, a lot of the assumptions and the ways of being were really questioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, we needed to begin to implement processes and procedures. What had been a very top-down leadership style mm-hmm. with two C-suite and then everybody else right. needed to become a, a more distributed leadership model. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll, I'll be honest, that it has some growing pains. I bet it did. Carol was very helpful. Again, having a third-party facilitator to kind of call out our challenges mm-hmm. and, and to hold us accountable was really helpful. That's great. And you've changed too, I imagine, during that journey, haven't you? I did. This was my first uh, role as a CEO. I had managed people. I had managed budgets, uh, but to be completely responsible for the success and sustainability of an organization, uh, this was my. This has been my first go at it. Uh, there is no national organization of which EXP is a chapter. Mm. If I don't make it work, or if I can't build a team to help me make it work it's, it's, it goes away it's on you it's it's on, on you it's on you and you have your board behind you of course and you have that support of, of that and people that you bring in but uh, that's great Amy Cole congratulations well is there anything else you'd like to talk about and, and tell the audience who may be listening your uh, constituents your board members uh, potential employees uh, or other business uh, CEOs that are out there sure um well, you asked where we're going as an organization, and um, I will say my board 
and I do love my board, uh, they just approved a five-year strategic plan that does include growth. Mm. In the in the near term, it is vertical growth, uh, growth within our footprint, um, sustainable growth. But uh, we do have a vision for bringing EXP to new school districts uh, across California. And there are some really enthusiastic board members that would like to see us go nationwide. I'll bet. And you have the ability to do it and you've got the, the, the talent to do it, it seems like, also. Well, I, uh, I am really grateful for the team that we've assembled. Um, with regards to advice for other CEOs, uh, I would say it's, it is really important to, to continually check in on yourself and, and look at your leadership style, look at, at your way of, of delivering you know, your leadership at different stages of your organization. Um, when I came on board, we were very entrepreneurial. It was small, mm-hmm. and I needed to, you know, be out and about telling the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we've grown, I've needed to pay much more attention to organizational change, be responsive to the needs of my employees and my organization. I've needed to really. Uh, uh, develop a, a, capa- a capability in, in organizational development. Mm. Um, you know, I came in as a fundraiser. Mm. I, I did that role for which I was hired uh, and brought the revenues up and doubled us, I think tripled us, mm-hmm. quadru- I don't know. Yeah, big, <laughs> yeah. Yep. But, uh, but now it's, it's institutionalizing mm. and, you know, I'm continually learning. So CEOs need to continually learn they need to continually develop their speaking and their, their communication skills. Uh, the millennials are, are giving way to Generation mm-hmm. Z. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a whole different set of values that we as leaders need to be responsive to. Yep, that's fantastic, Amy. Well, thanks very much. I, I want to give you an opportunity and tell everyone how they can get a hold of you. What's the best way to reach you if they want to um, going forward? So I am uh, a heavy user of LinkedIn. Uh, so you can find me on LinkedIn, Amy Gratt. Uh, I think I'm the only Amy Gratt that exists in the world. So <laughs> look for me on LinkedIn. Uh, and I, I welcome uh, anybody to connect with me who wants to develop themselves, connect, do something good. And what's the website for uh, EXP? And for EXP, we are uh, expfuture.org. Great. expfuture.org. Fantastic. Amy, thanks so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate you being a great guest. Thank you for having me. I wish you the most success. Thank you for listening to My Company Story. I'm your host, Don Burge. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a comment and subscribe. To hear more of My Company Story on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. And go to our website, mycompanystory.com, to find more episodes.